Revivify, design and building pros podcast. Hello, welcome to Revivify podcast. And today we're very fortunate to have Mona Yang Reeves. She is the principal, the owner of Remodern. And she has an enormous amount of experience and I'm just dying to hear her story. So welcome, Mona. Hi, Grace. Nice to be here. Well, we were introduced by a mutual friend, Mignon Oyan. She is a dear friend and I have tremendous respect for her and she could not stop talking about you. So I'm dying to learn about your history, your background, how you navigate your path and how you end up where you are today. Wow. Um, I'm so glad we got paired together too, because yes, the, co- the common friend thing is a strong connection. Yes. So it's great to meet you, Grace. Very nice to meet you. So you were trained as an architect. When did you start realizing architecture was the path you want to pursue? Oh, when did I realize? You mean before, before I even, so a little bit, I have my undergraduate degree in architecture and then I also have a master's degree in architecture. And in a way, my career is kind of boring because I am still an architect, still working as an architect. So haven't deviated too far from that as what I would say my core career, but I've kind of uh, done a few little tangents here and there. As far as getting into architecture, I don't know. I mean, if I was to think, I mean, that's, this is many years ago, thinking way back in high school, I think it was just one of those things where as a high school student, I liked art, I was creative, and I was good at math. So in the mind of a high school student, right, you're like, what can I do that combines all of those? And yeah, and that's kind of led me down this path. I still love creating things, and I don't mind the technical parts that go with creating actual physical things. Well, this really just shows your dedication and commitment to the profession, and which is why you're so successful today. And I know your path to where you are today, definitely, you've owned your phone for over 16 years. So you have tremendous amount of experience, know the both side of owning a firm, as well as helping homeowners to achieve their dreams. But there's one piece of it I find quite interesting and a lot of us don't know much about is we often watch these HGTV shows and they all seem very fascinating. They seem, you know, incredible designs. And you're one of the people behind the scene. So if you could share with us, what was like behind the scene? What was the expectation? How did you help them to achieve those dreams? Yeah, it's it's uh, the whole television remodeling makeover shows. It's, it's a really fascinating, I don't know microcosm of the world and <laughs> and I will kind of preface this by saying it's not how real projects for anyone else off of right. TV works right but it's so much of how those of us who watch TV you know experience renovation projects nowadays right and so it certainly kind of is a lens that homeowners come at when they're starting out with a project where you design professionals because they've seen something on HCTV and they might think, oh, like, can we do this kitchen? We've seen them do it with free materials and they did it in a week. Right. Or can we do this bathroom? I've got a contractor ready to start next week. Can I have a design? Right. And and the reality is, you know, no, you can't have a design in one week or we, it's like, sure, you can build things with free materials, but you're going to pay a whole lot more in labor to make that happen because because ultimately tv is really interesting but it's it's storytelling it's um not really about building the space it's about telling the story and so 
I was fortunate uh, pretty early on when I started Remodern to have been contacted by some producers of a production company that did a lot of work in the Bay Area, California, where I'm located. And they, the way some of these shows are work from behind the scenes, they have a host that, you know, you might see present a design and then they bring in, you know, the, the build team and they like do all this magic on TV. And it seems like it happens really quickly. And the shows I worked on, their format, uh, this was the, I did a bunch for the Crasher series. So it would be Room Crashers, House Crashers. They originally started with Yard Crashers. There's a whole family of these. I mean, there's, uh, I did one for Kitchen Crashers. Mm-hmm. And then I also worked on a special that was their version of the Extreme Home Makeover called Ultimate Crash, where we had multiple hosts from multiple of the Crasher shows, each taking over a different space of one house. Oh, that's So if you can imagine four different production companies descending upon one house, one suburban house over the course of three to four days and completely transforming it. So I was involved with that. That was pretty amazing. But those shows are really, um, when they film those shows, they, they do the walkthrough with the host and then they send the video to someone like me, who is a design consultant on the show. And then we do all the behind the scenes. So I did the design. I worked with the producers and we sourced the materials. We got, you know, even the vendors in place and the team in place so that the work could be done in three days. You know, and, and that's not how regular projects work no. because, yeah, we spend a lot more time on design. Right. There's a lot more back and forth between the client. Right. TV shows, there's pretty much no back and forth. You know, we just kind of run with it. Right. And then we show up and they get what they get because right. there's a surprise reveal at the end. Right. Right. <laughs> so well, for for rest of us who watch TV and of course just enjoy watching the the transformation, but of course. Mm-hmm. You know, there's the other half of me thinking about realistically, you know, that's not possible. <laughs> and even just three days is, is an enormous amount of you know, like amount of yeah. work to cramp into those three days. And, and it's, it really is amazing because with with television and the amount of people involved to do that kind of a production, they're working 24 hours a day and there's homework. You know, it's just. It's the, the scale and kind of, it's like the Navy SEAL descends upon this house <laughs> to make it happen. That's a good visualization. But now as you're yeah. with your own firm, your own projects, your own clients, and when mm-hmm. they come to you or at some point they found out that you have some experience and refer to, hey, what about that episode or what about that project? How do you help them navigate through the, or just help them set the expectations? It's interesting because it's, it, they're kind of related, but they're not in a way. I think for, for my personal practice, most homeowners who are remodeling or building onto their house have found me either through word of mouth or through my house profile. Uh, my website has a fairly extensive selection of past projects at remodern.com. And so when they find me that way, they've seen the design work I do running a design-oriented architecture firm, and they have some idea of who they're working with before they even call me. Honestly, I've, you know, no one has ever watched one of these TV shows (laughs) and then 
you know, and then I kind of pause the credits at the end right. in order to write down the name and then look up to see who designed it. Right. Because for, for most of us, I mean, we watch the shows and they're, they're so entertaining. Yeah, they're <laughs> they're absolutely so entertaining, right. They are so candies. fun to watch. And right. especially when you see, you know, like the big reveal and like, absolutely. you know, like they're crying or for good or bad, they're crying at the <laughs> end and all that stuff right it's great it's great tv but like you watch those shows and you're just like oh wow the host the host did that right right so fixer up or you're kind of like yeah like joanna chip did that or you know any of those shows you never really think that it's actually a whole crew of people back there and they are you know the host job is to host the show but they weren't the ones who actually uh created necessarily the vision of that project right so it's a different it is a different thing but when a homeowner has watched a lot of television, yes. uh, HGTV and the DIY network type shows, right, and then they call, there is a lot of expectation setting, of course, because a real life project takes longer. It's the the resources and the expense go come from a different pot right. than you would, you know, uh, when you see on a television show where you're building with free things off the street or pallets or, you know, lots of DIY stuff. Or donations from manufacturers. Exactly. There's a lot of kind of vendor donations involved there. And and obviously in real life, we're building for something that's going to last for many, many years. It's right. most likely somebody's long-term home and not, yeah, not a TV show where we, you know, they may cut corners by gluing something instead of attaching it. <laughs> That's you know, true. That's- and, and that's not to, like like everyone certainly does the best they can. But right. you know, when there's a deadline and they're filming, there will be corners cut. Yeah, that makes sense. But you know, now it's great to get the the detail behind and seeing how it works. It's yeah. one thing for us to watch TV and in our mind we're like creating our own story of what could happen, but now getting from the actual source of what really happened. So yeah. I know with your remodern, you do folk I mean your work is just Stunning. And you, my understanding, you also incorporate sustainable green design as part of your philosophy working through. So if you might share with me how you go through that process and how do you engage with homeowners to begin to think about it. Obviously, in, in most cases, homeowners are still not as well, the topic of sustainable green architecture is still not well re- understood by the consumers, but I'm sure some are much more averse to that. So just like curiosity how you engage people and how do you help them to understand better yeah it's I think that's a really great question because as someone who's had that as a core interest of mine since I started my career you know I don't see sustainability or green building as being separate from delivering good design the rest of the world unfortunately like may see that as something different like oh you have to pay extra for it or you're making a choice between either green design or regular design or see that kind of as a niche on the side i've kind of built the business on the premise that in the beginning i would describe green design or sustainable modern design as something very specific because no one was really talking about it. I do feel like we've reached critical mass where most people have some understanding of it. They may not know how to accomplish it, right. but they have some understanding of it. And that to me is good news because it means that 
I can talk less about it because it's kind of just the way that I think a good project should be done anyways. Right. And if someone's not doing that, to me, it's just, it's a consideration that should have already happened. So I think you brought a good point of they have an understanding or appreciation or have desire. And for you with that, that's your core DNA view, what you, what you deliver as an experience and design. What interesting thing behind it, people understand versus, all right, I want to do this. How do I do this? And how do you even start having a conversation or even down to, you know, position the home to certain directions to maximize the, the natural resources versus what material to choose to, in, to do really deliver that ultimate result. Yeah, I think that that comment kind of touches upon one of the things I've, I've noticed, it, which is when we talk about green design, a lot of times when somebody is not familiar with it or they're envisioning what green design is, they, they may be picturing something that has a certain aesthetic. So uh, thinking of green design as looking as being made out of natural materials or looking like it mimics or came from nature. Lots of wood, lots of natural palettes, kind of, you know, like greens and browns and something a little bit crunchy or granola. But, you <laughs> know, right. that's how a lot of people picture green design. Right. But, but what I know as a, as a professional doing this for a long time is that, and, and what I really push for my end, because, because my business Remodern really does modern design, it comes more from a modern sensibility about creating spaces, is that green building doesn't at all have to be tied to aesthetic. Right. Because you can have something that looks, looks or appears very, you know, very green uh, in some people's minds because it's, you know, very of natural materials right. and, you know, remind you of being out in the woods or something, but it can be completely built with toxic materials all around you. Right. And I think that's where homeowners may not realize they're falling into that trap because if you look at it at the surface and say, Hey, I would love to do something green. I want to, you know, I want to do bamboo flooring in my house. Well, then they may end up shopping and they say, well, hey, this bamboo, like, this is great. I could buy this really inexpensive bamboo flooring and now I'm building green. But the inexpensive bamboo flooring may be coated with many layers of highly toxic, you know, right. chemicals and coatings, right. you know, produced in a way that's, that is not sustainable for the environment with, you know, bad transportation and like just really a throwaway product right and ultimately that is not good for the earth right <laughs> and but if the decision w was made from the aesthetics only you know it, they're not really achieving the goal that they wanted to so those are the conversations i tend to have in depth with my clients when we make individual decisions about their house and it's not going to be necessarily just on the green stuff it's going to be on decisions about anything basically like considering the trade-offs and what their values are what they're trying to go for right that's a good point because i know a lot of time homeowner they, they set their budget and they think that's all it's going to cost and they're trying to manage their budget no matter how you know, it could be a couple million dollar project to quarter million dollars in their mind they they're still a certain budget they want to make sure they manage that effectively 
and there's always a trade-off discussion just like you said there could be a bamboo flooring there's a whole spectrum just like car you could have you know pintos <laughs> to the Rolls Royce of the world that it's effectively they're both cars they're getting to point from point a to point b but the experience are different vastly different and in this case would be how it was made the bamboo materials are you know for the flooring are vastly different as well and so how do you navigate through those discussion of trade-off to for them to understand the benefit pros and cons and long-term for better word roi per se you know for them to understand like why this is a better investment well for for most projects i think that conversation if the homeowner's interested in it tends to be a lot uh deeper of a conversation than the average homeowner expects there to be. Right. Because so much of um, building is people understand space through what they see, but as you get involved with the design process, you realize it's as much about how it performs and functions and supports your values or where, you know, the things you want to do. And I do feel like um, we're recording this right now in a, during a pandemic while everyone's home. Right. <laughs> so, so, that might be more at the forefront right now is people realize that spaces actually could or can, or they might wish that it could do more things than it can. Absolutely. Because it's not about just what it looks like. It goes beyond that right. into how, how it performs. So so the green building is definitely one of those things that you know you can get really far deep into because you know there's even different value systems within green. Are you doing it for the environment or to preserve resources or are you doing it for uh, safety of your own family and personal health? You know, there's different degrees of that. And depending on what you value, that's going to inform what's the right decision for you. That's a good point. And do you have those kinds of discussion from the beginning, your first meeting or first two meetings with the clients? Or is it some something more organic coming through and something for the homeowners to think about as they go through the journey? Um, for me, it's going to be more organic and, yep. and later on, but that's also because because I do I do custom design, so right. it's a lot more a personalized service. Right. So so that's going to be yeah something that is very much about uh, crafting the exact conversation with each client. But some people may need that conversation; others may not. True. It's mm-hmm. right tailored to who your client is and what stage mental model mental model right. is that and, and also engage with projects them. are so different projects are so different that's too it's also what we're trying to achieve with the project so if we're building a forever home that's also very different than if you're building more like a vacation vacation home or one that's going to be for a rental that's true right the material needs are quite different people are just looking for a maximized value quickly now versus <laughs> long-term longevity for the entire family and their health and well-beings as you see how is changing as you mentioned it's evolving where the knowledge of homeowners become to more keen or a desire going that direction at what point do you see manufacturers start doing more to push through these kind of delivering the, the the quality of work quality to focus on sustainable options and green product and so forth because we still have the manufacturers still do the mass production and just like anything, it will take some time. And I think you mentioned about this, we're now at the critical points. People have desired the demands there, but the supply is, they're there, but it's not the mass yet. Yeah, it it's not the mass yet. And 
I would love to see it go a lot quicker towards the masses or towards becoming the norm. But the reality is the building industry is a really slow moving industry. Yes. So it's not like the technology changes that quickly. Certain aspects of building may change quickly. But you look at how the house is framed, it was framed the same way 150 years ago mm-hmm. as it largely is now. Right. So, so a lot of the building suppliers are not going to be changing how they operate. The building suppliers who have been around for a long time are not going to be changing how they operate unless the market demands it to change. Sure. So there's going to, it's going to come from... I don't think it's going to come from within the manufacturer uh, side. It's going to come from homeowners and the public asking for it. And then we have to kind of clear the hurdle of initially, you know, paying and supporting those businesses that are doing that until they can scale. Right. And also have professional like you to advocate for such a change too. Yeah, exactly. But on my end, you know, for custom projects, if we're doing one project at a time, is that enough of a voice for the manufacturers to change? They've got to see it in mass. Mass, right. Exactly. I'm sure they're, they're young design professionals are looking up to you, someone like you, to say, yeah, I would love to be able to do something like her and trendsetter and really pushing through and helping them, helping really set the tone of what we can be, you know, 10, 20, 30 years from now. What kind of advice would you give them? This has come up actually recently with some colleagues too, because we we're talking about a lot of like new graduates coming out into the marketplace looking for jobs. And as we're recording this, they're looking for jobs in the pandemic when no one's actually working in the office. Right. And we're uh, and so I want to kind of twist that question over and say what like what design jobs in a way are going to still be in demand moving forward. And I think those jobs are going to be the ones that actually look at, try to bridge the gap between what people want in the market and helping them uh, get to something that they can't get to easily. Mm, So it's going to be the difference between the mass market and what people want. And, and, you know, I spoke a little bit about how the mass market, especially in the building, the building industry is a slow moving market. So, the mass market is lagging in terms of what they're delivering, right. you know, to what the average homeowner, I would say, wants. I'll give you a quick example if you'll indulge me. Oh, yes. <laughs> one, one of the uh, pet peeves I always have is when we, you know, do a house and we're ordering just even, you know, if we get to specify uh, the details such as electrical switch plates yes. or outlet covers. Right. I don't know if you notice, like, you, you look at the color selections and it's like, okay, it's like this shiny, cheap white plastic right. or this shiny, cheap looking black plastic right. or like this shiny, cheap looking, you know, yellowing beige, beige plastic. Right. And it just drives, frankly, drives me crazy. It's like, why is it so hard to find a matte finished white switch plate? Right. And, but it is. Yeah. It's just one of those things, right? Mm-hmm. And every single house has it, but mm-hmm. or every single house needs outlets. Right. But in order to get those map plates, you probably have, you know, on my projects, you have an architect like me pushing for it. Right. Now having a conversation with the homeowner saying, I think this is really something you would enjoy. 
it's going to cost you more. Are you willing to do that? Now let's go back to the electrician. The electrician's going to say, that's not what I normally do. It's going to cost you more money. And there's this whole kind of series of coordination right. that's involved in order to make something that would be very simple, would seem like it should be simple. You're, you're absolutely right. Consider it there's... 3D printer is, is a commodity now, and it's, there's no reason why we can't say, well, for the color matching, make sure you bring the right material and produce exactly the same pattern and just mm-hmm. the results in different color. And based on the volume collectively, and you produce that at the much smaller scale, but still shouldn't be that much more. Right. Yeah. It's not the same as you have the huge manufacturer. This is all day in, day out. The mass machines are producing that, but... I understand it's costing a little bit more, but just in general experience is much more pleasant. When you look at the wall with the light switch or electric plates, it's like, this is nice. You just, right. There's intentionally because not to be in your face. It's a white plate on you know, a nice, beautiful color wall. Exactly. So it's, it's things like that that I hope we will eventually get there. But I mean, for now, you know, to make that jump from the shiny, ugly white plate to the matte finished plate. Right. I mean, that's, that's like a six-fold difference or something. Yeah. It's, it's not insignificant across right. the scope of a house. That's true. So, yeah. Well, and also that ties into currently, as you mentioned, we're in pandemic and everyone's locked in their house. And as a professional, you have your own practice. You, you still need to deliver your service to your clients. And as they're managing through this, how have you been thriving through this process? Or how do you navigate through this process from the day the governor declared we're sheltering until now connecting with your clients through Zoom and so forth and working with your contractors on the site? We're definitely in unusual times. And there's just, on everybody's part, I think we, we communicate how things will take longer. And we're, we're doing a coordination, you know, video chats at unconventional times, you know, for, for families, because I have a family too, and most of my clients have families. So we're, we've got kids running around during the day. Like later on tonight, I have a call at 9.30 PM with a, (laughs) so we're doing like really unconventional hours, but that's kind of, you know, how we're going to get through the short term. In, In terms of kind of, yeah, moving Forward, I, I feel like I'm kind of fortunate because there was a there was a side project I started called My House Tribe. Okay. And you could actually visit the website. It's called my it's www.myhousetribe.com. And it's an online support community for homeowners going through the renovation process. So my hope for this group is really, you know, so much of the overwhelm that you my experience on a project or the frustration can be avoided with the right expectations which I love what Bay Rep is doing because you're helping a lot with that right we're Um, our best yes but yeah but it's basically uh this is where I think you know my house tribe and Bay Rep have a lot in common in in trying to help homeowners right now if you've got kind of the support group so for me, like uh, where my house tribe is coming from is we're kind of setting that up to be the support group for going through this major uh, lifestyle event. Like if you were a new parent, you might be joining a parents group or a mother's club. Sure. If you kind of just graduated from college, you 
you probably got some career counseling or you might get some advice to help find your first job. But so many people, you know, are heading into home improvement or renovations on the biggest asset of their life, spending a whole lot of money. And mistakes are super, super costly. Right. And it's not and, and they're doing it really with no knowledgeable support group. Absolutely, I mean there's right. well intentioned friends, but right. you know, friends don't always know how to build. And they're so, not trained. And also as no, you mentioned it's, not. it's a huge financial investment, it's an enormous emotional investment. This is where people yeah. come to your house and they're doing something effectively just like car surgery into your house, destroying a bunch of stuff, demoing out the house. And pieces of memory will be taken away or disassembled in some ways. And then there you are looking at your house. All of a sudden, there's a panic of moment of what if it didn't work out? What if the contractor took off and with my money and never finished? There's all these fears. And we all of us hear those dramas that happen to other people in this horror stories. And I love what you're doing. I think that's tremendous help for our, our profession. Just manage expectation, help homeowners to navigate through those, even just counseling or just have another friend who's trained just helping them to go through that and answer questions what do I need to do and same thing with our clients often when they need some help the homeowner clients like I just need I just got this question how do I go through this and they're I know because a lot of times yes. I know I, I completely hear that because a lot right. of times they might just have one question yes. right right <laughs> you might just have one question and you're like who do I ask right. but but maybe that's all you need so that's you it. don't need to like Absolutely. You don't need to hire an architect for right. one question, right. but yeah, who do you ask? Right. And if you don't have someone to ask, you might end up like, and I've seen this happen before. Right. I've sat, I've sat in a movie theater where I was talking with a friend about her project. And then the guy next to her in the movie theater starts giving her advice. And so, <laughs> my goodness, right. So, so it's kind of like, if you have this one question, who do you ask? Because there are going to be a lot of well-intentioned people who right. want to help you out right. and give you their opinion. Right. But building decisions are so expensive right. and mistakes are so costly. It's just so important to have a good group of yeah support, your support in place. Yeah, the support you know, in place. Where you're going to go to for your answer, right? And who's <laughs> objective too. I think that's the yes. other key because we have clients where – they came to us and say, well, one of my neighbors, a contractor, they passed by our house. They questioned about this. What should I do? And it was like, well, let's walk back a little for a couple of steps. What's their motive? <laughs> Apparently yeah. the motive is taking the job and they're not happy. You didn't ask them or whatnot. And so they're going to find a way to kind of criticize the scope or what the pro- work in progress. In reality, is, this is work in progress. There are many things that are not done. And raising those unnecessary alerts really is doing more harm than good. And so those are yeah. things that I, I just love the concept of my house tribe. I'm glad you brought I was going to ask you about that because that's a huge asset to homeowners who want that emotional, you know, just handholding, just that one minute handholding or just say, it's okay, you yeah. got this. A kind of that quick check-in where yeah. it's like, you know, is this right? Or it's like, hey, I just got this bid, like, does that sound right you know exactly something really super quick I'm so glad we got connected because we are definitely moving on the same direction (laughs) with the same mission really helping homeowners to have the positive experience and having that peace of mind navigate through this and have the confidence that with the knowledge they gain they know what to do making the right decisions at the same time helping the professional to say 
let's raise the bar and let's make a difference and really make this home improvement experience overall for everyone to be a positive one. Yeah, I was really excited when I first found out about Bay Rep, too, because of, of the mission you guys have. I mean, uh, within kind of what it, where I see the, the building industry and the you know home improvement industry, industry headed, at, at least in the United States, if you look at how a family might improve their home, you know, two like one or two generations ago, most average families of modest means may have hired an architect or a professional and kind of came up with the plans and then you go get the bids and then it's kind of, in a way, it sounds a lot more straightforward, right? right? You come with the plan first, plan and design first, you get the bids, find out how much it costs, you might talk to three people and then decide and then you act on it. You choose who you want and you act on it. Nowadays, I think we're lucky in a way that we have so many options available to us, but within so many options and also so much information thrown against us from HGTV, as we (laughs) talked about before, from opinions from like your neighbor or the guy next to you in the movie theater (laughs) and like all this stuff, right? It's just, there's just so much more information to sort through. And with how, how, we expect life to be now, you know, everyone wants it now. Yes. And so we're not kind of at this pace where we expect to plan things out and take a long time before we act on it. We decided we're going to remodel now. We want to hire someone now and we want to build next week. Right. And, and we don't want to hear some, we don't want to hear a professional tell yeah. us that that's not a good idea. Right. <laughs> so or I got this plan from Pinterest. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Is, I, I I love this light from Pinterest. Can right. we put it, it like, you know, over oh the bathtub? <laughs> right. Yeah. So and, oh. and then there's a you know, and then if you actually and if it's someone who actually asked that question, then great. You know, for for my clients, we can have the conversation about building codes and how it's not permitted, at least within California where we are. But right. that Pinterest picture probably came from another part of the world. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, but, you know, without kind of the quick someone to ask, really. You're right. <laughs> yeah. And then you're, that, On that, that, it's very, very easy to be become disappointed, Yes, I should say. And get disappointed at the end and just, just refuse to move on just because once they have that negative experience, it's hard for them to get back up and to say, yeah, you yeah. get stuck. <laughs> you get stuck and feel embarrassed. That's the other thing. I think emotionally embarrassed because you realize you made a mistake and you probably pay some money for that Pinterest plant. You know, a few, a few thousand dollars and you realize you just lost that few thousand dollars. And that itself right. is such an awful experience as a starter, as a first step. And if we can help to eliminate that, those kind of pitfalls and mistakes and just encourage people to say, hey, we got this. This is right. This is wrong. And just help them to just kind of, you know, almost when I think about it, it's a guardrail almost as they're going through or when my kids were young, the bowling alley always had the guardrail just so you know how to get the ball down the aisle. And I think exactly. that's what you, what you do is helping people to say, all right, the path is, yes, can be complicated, but here's, let, let us help you to simplify this and make sure we have the guardrail so you don't fall. Exactly. And, and on top of that, it's kind of, you know, you know, if it's somebody kind of at the scale of custom building, it would be, are we asking the right question? Right. Is, is this path even safe? Is it, path, is the path even oriented to get you to solve the problems you need to be solved? 
right. you know, without jumping to a solution that may not even solve your problems. Yeah. God, this is so much so fun. So much to talk about. I can, I can talk to you for so days. <laughs> like I said, I'll be just so looking forward to talking to you. You are just wealth of information and you have so much to offer. And homeowners are so lucky to have someone like you. What you do, your architecture practice, as well as having this My House tribe. I think combination of two will make a big difference in our industry. So I'd love to talk to you more about it. I know people will be dying to contact you. What would be the best way to contact you? Best way, honestly, best way right now, I have contact. There's ways to contact me on either of my wife's websites. And that's going to be myhousetribe.com. And that's going to be the support group for homeowners going through the remodeling journey. We've got kind of virtual happy hours right now during the pandemic. So nice. <laughs> you can join us for, for some chatting. We got a Facebook group. Um, yeah. So, so that's kind of more for the emotional support. And for the uh, custom design, kind of more the personalized high-end design for the Bay Area, that's going to be remodern.com, re-modern.com. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, thank you, Mona. It's been such a pleasure and honor to speak with you. And we'll follow up another session. But for the time being, thank you and appreciate all the help and all the effort you're doing to help elevate this industry. Thank you, Grace, for having me. It's been so fun to talk to you today. Thank you for listening to this episode of Revivify Podcast. And we'll see you next time. Brought to you by Bayrap.